Sony. Hello, Canada. Welcome to another full edition of Canadian Common Sense. 45 minutes of unscripted, unedited, and for the time being, uncensored commentary on Canada's issues. Today's date is September 19th, 2021. It is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. And up until a few weeks ago, I was really, really confident that that uncensored part of our show um, was going to be a, uh, a a long gone concern, but now I am not confident that we will be uncensored for much longer. <laughs> I share your pessimism on that. On the show today, electoral reform. I can't believe he's not liberal. Uh, perhaps a new format for the leaders' debate. $214 billion. We will give you our final predictions for the election. And vaccine passports. Show me your papers. Und mehr. Where do you want to start, sir? Well, let's start with the vaccine passports. Get, sure. We'll, we'll talk about that. We'll get that out of the way. And then we can get on to the election topics. Okay, so the last bastions of freedom in the regards to vaccine passports, being Alberta and Saskatchewan, both in this past week decided to cave in and embrace vaccine passports with gusto in the case of Saskatchewan. And Alberta has decided that they would take a two-tiered approach to vaccine passports, making it extremely uncomfortable for businesses or individuals who did not have vaccine passports and making things a little more smooth for those who want to give it up. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I live in BC. We were one of the first ones to come out with the vaccine passport. Um, I had to use it for the first time this weekend. And uh, I mean, it's a minor inconvenience, nothing really to worry about in terms of uh, how difficult is it to get into a restaurant now. Um, I, I just have it on my phone and um, I don't, I'm not a supporter of them. Obviously, you know that I, I oppose them. Um, unfortunately they're here. There's nothing we can do to stop it. Um, and, uh, and, and I, I don't know, I, I don't even know what to say anymore. I mean, the, the governments in Canada have gone totalitarian in, in, in this regard with, with regards to, uh, uh, curtailing freedom of movement and, uh, and association. Um, it, I just, I just hope. I just hope that they're not around for, for good. I hope that like BC has them in place until the end of January, 2022. Uh, of course that will be extended uh, just as our two week lockdown was extended for 18 months. <laughs> um, that's, that's just, Unfortunately, it is the way the world has gone, and I just, it, it sucks. 
it sucks because we can't do anything about it. That part of it sucks. What I, I haven't actually had to use mine yet. I mean, I've got a, a card that says I've got my two shots, which I needed for my work now. Apparently, that'll be starting, well, I guess tomorrow. And business is here. Uh, you have to show them to get into a restaurant and as of October 1st, into a restaurant or movie theater and essentially anywhere you want to go. And I hate it, actually. I mean, I've got my shots and I made that clear i've got my shots because i want to travel and that's the only reason i got them and i think it's awful that governments have decided that freedom of the individual to choose means nothing i mean i'd mentioned on a show months ago that this government treats freedom like it's a punchline and provincial governments have decided to fall right in line frankly it pisses me off because i i don't trust government to leave any program temporary, income tax being one example, the temporary tax to help pay for World War One. Yeah, no, I know. And it, it's it's one of those things where when a government takes your freedoms, you never get them back. And the and the and the the, the best example of that for most of our listeners would be the Patriot Act in the United States. The Patriot Act was a temporary act. Uh, that stripped the U.S. Uh, or stripped American citizens of their their right to privacy. Um, it gave police officers the ability to detain and arrest someone for years without a warrant if they were suspected of uh, terrorism. Uh, they it gave them the ability to spy on you digitally your emails your your digital communications without a warrant it gave the police the ability to enter your house without a warrant um if you were suspected of terrorism and their definition of terrorism was so broad that it it encompassed all kinds of things the terrorist act or, or sorry the patriot act is still in effect in the U.S. 20 years later. Yeah, that's right. And a fun fact about the Patriot Act, if you want to call it fun, um, Dan Bongino, who is by far my favorite podcast host, and he's, a, he's American, that was one of the reasons he actually got involved in politics in the first place, because he was uh, dead set against the Patriot Act. And so when he decided to leave the Secret Service, that was one of the things he campaigned against, and that's sort of launched his career on the uh, the talking head sphere. Yeah. No, I mean, it's the, the thing about all this is that we, we have just had our, our rights and freedoms stripped from us uh, in the name of protecting our, of, of, of protecting us uh, from a disease that nobody can protect us from. And is this, are these measures going to remain in effect for the rest of our lives or will they be temporary? And that is the big question because temporary with the government never means temporary. Well, yep, that is the big problem. It, uh, it's difficult to trust governments and you said it right. Once they take something away, they're very, very reluctant to give it back. 
Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on and talk about how Justin Trudeau is winding up his campaign. He is hinting once again at that 2015 promise yet to be fulfilled that perhaps it is time for electoral reform. Yeah. yeah I um, sorry. I this this is coming on what the second or third to last day before the election. Like this is like some last ditch effort. Yep. Exactly what it is. I mean, I, he, he wasn't serious about it the first time. I don't know what anybody thinks that he would be serious about it this time. I mean, he says the only one that he would even accept is a ranked ballot rather than, um, rep- proportional representation he says absolutely no way to proportional representation um and and i and i and i i want to hear what you have to say before i tell the listeners why he supports one and not the other okay yeah he funny enough he seemed enthusiastic about a ranked ballot system and as somebody who has gone through a few different party elections with a ranked ballot I'm not as convinced and fair vote Canada who I'd never actually heard of until this election has been flooding my Facebook feed with the same ad going on about proportional representation. That seems to be their, their big issue. And it has a pie chart saying how Canada voted and has the percentages for the parties that are in the house of commons. And then how, what you would have got with proportional representation and that pie chart, makes it very clear why Justin Trudeau was a big fan of first past the post because boy, did the liberals benefit from that system. Yeah. And, and the winning party always benefits from first past the post. Um, I mean, a majority government in this country is one with 38, 38.5%. True. Um, If you get 40, 42% 42% of the vote, you have a like massive majority. Like, and I, and I don't mean just, you know, oh, that's a big majority. No, I mean, that's a massive majority. Like, that is almost annihilating the official opposition parties with about 42%. Yeah, I mean, for context, when Brian Mulroney won the biggest electoral landslide in Canadian history in 1984, it was with 51 or 53% of the vote, just barely over 50% of the vote. And he had, at that time, I think it was, it was well over 200 seats in a House of Commons that wasn't even at 300 seats at that time. So, I mean, yeah, he obliterated the opposition with barely 50%. Yeah, I think the liberals, the liberals actually ended up uh, almost like I, I can't even remember how many seats the liberals had at that, after that election, but it was it was not much. No, them and the NDP both were in the you know less than or twenty or twenty ish and less. Like it was it was embarrassing. Yeah, and that and like I said, that was barely with more than half the the votes. Which, right. with proportional representation, they would have had fifty-one or fifty-two percent of the seats. But here's the thing: I don't like proportional representation. Um, 
because it who who are you voting for it, it, during proportional representation you vote for the party you don't vote for a local representative but yeah the, see that's the part the, i don't the, like yeah the parties pick who your representatives will be and that i don't like well, can you imagine that in the Canadian context? I have and my rant a couple of days ago. I pointed out that the four larger or the, the five parties currently represented in House of Commons, and I took the block out of the equation. So the four parties that have seats, three of those leaders are from Toronto, one leader is from Montreal. So can you imagine under a proportional representation system where all of our quote representatives would come from? You think we have a Laurentian government now? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like there's no, there, there'd be no benefit to the parties to have British Columbia's representatives actually be from British Columbia. Exactly. Like it would, it would actually, you know, make more sense if they just had everybody from Ottawa or everybody from Toronto or Southern Ontario. Uh, that's where all the representatives live. Because everybody would just be in the same area. Yeah, that's right. And they would pitch that we're saving Canadians money by on travel costs and yeah. accommodation. Yeah. And then, here, now I'll, I'll explain to you why Justin Trudeau wants ranked ballots and doesn't like proportional representation. And the reason is, is because one will result in liberal governments forever. And one will result in divided minority governments that never get anything done. And as you can guess, ranked ballots is how the liberals will remain in power for the rest of eternity. And that, and the reason is because the liberals are everyone's second choice. Well, that's a good point. The, if you're if the liberals aren't your first choice, they're your second choice. The NDP, their second choice is liberal. The Bloc Québécois, most of them, their second choice would be liberal. And with the Conservatives, many, many, many Conservative voters, their second choice would be liberal. Um. You'll get people whose second choice is the PPC, but but let's be real. Most li- conservative voters, their second choice would be liberals because they're the least radical of the remaining parties. Um, which says a lot because the liberals are a radical party. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the, the current liberals are pretty damn radical. Yeah, but they're not as radical as the NDP. And for, and for many people, the only three parties worth that, that are worth even considering are the Conservatives, the NDP, and the Liberals, and everybody's second choice is the Liberals. So if your party doesn't get, like if, you're, if your first choice gets, uh, is the last, um, after the first um, counting of ballots, then they go to your second choice and your second choice is going to be liberal. And so the, the liberals will end up being government for the rest of eternity. Um, the, 
and, and the way proportional representation is, is that we'll just end up with 30% of the House being the Liberals, 30% of the House being the Conservatives, 20 or well, 18% being the NDP, 20% being the Bloc Québécois, and the PPC will have uh, two or three seats and that's it for the rest of eternity. It, it's that's that's how every single election will go. So if you're going to go with proportional representation, we're just going to end up with a divided House of Commons that can't work together and we'll have elections every 12 to 18 months. Oh, so we would just become Italy. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. And, you I, are... and, and anybody who... Who, who is fighting for personal representation doesn't know what they're talking about because all you have to do is look at a place like Italy and see that it doesn't work. Well, it totally doesn't. And uh, you kind of depressed me. Actually, you really depressed me when you were talking about the, the ranked ballot because that, that never really crossed my mind. But you're right. That would just perpetuate liberal governments for governance forever. And I'm yeah, not that, interested in that. And that's why Trudeau is in favor of that one and only that one. Yeah, well, that makes sense now. So, and we, um, but we've, but, but like you said, we we've seen a ranked ballot used in how many leadership con, uh, contests now for different political parties? I've seen it used in the BC Liberal Party a couple of times. I've seen it used in um, the Federal Conservative Party uh, a number of. Uh, what three times two times twice yeah, for two, sure yeah. yeah twice for sure and it never works out no it's uh it's it's awkward and of course they keep saying well we will we'll, we will perfect it as we go through it more but yeah i've st- now gone through three party leadership elections one for the saskatchewan party with ranked ballots and it's it's a gong show, especially with the Conservative Party race in 2017, because there was 13 flipping candidates. Yeah, and and everybody's um, everybody's confused by it, right? Like it, it's it's not a difficult, uh, it's not something that's too difficult to wrap your head around. But for a lot of people, it is confusing. Like they go, "Well, what do you mean, my fifth? choice is the one that's going to decide who wins this like my fifth choice isn't even a choice i don't want them yeah but, well and you but, that it, 20. But, it, but it's your fifth choice that's going to decide who wins and that's how the conservatives ended up with andrew Shear. it's how they ended up with aaron o'toole it's how the bc liberal party ended up with wilkinson i mean these are these were leaders that that ended up not not being what everyone expected them to be because they were everyone's third or fourth choice. Yeah, well, that's a good point. I was actually I'm glad you brought up Andrew Shear because I was going to mention that Maxime Bernier actually was the runner up in that race in 2017, but because Andrew Shear had more seconds, third choices, whatnot. And Maxime Bernier had more of a core of supporters who we all want Max to be number one. And he didn't have enough people that wanted him to be number two or three. So 
the Conservative Party actually almost had Maxine Bernier, and perhaps under a system that wasn't ranked ballots, they would have had him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is... First past the post is the system that works. It does. I I think for our our Westminster parliamentary system, I think we've got the, the... at least the best right now. The alternatives that have been presented are just not, not, not effective. No, and honestly, if you want to uh, have electoral reform, then we need to have parliamentary reform too, because electoral reform does not work without parliamentary reform. Well, that's a good point. Yeah, and we need that like, anyway. But well, we, I mean, we need we need parliamentary reform where it isn't just. Um, you know, a tweak here or a tweak there. Like we need a completely revamped system. I mean, if you want to have, if you want people to have to have more than 50% of the vote, then first we can't have five parties and we can't have, um, we, we, we can't have a parliament. We have to have, we, we have to change our, our entire governance uh government structures to be like um a republic uh we can't we can't continue on with the um westminster parliamentary system it just it just doesn't work with with electoral reform you have to have uh you 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 have to have reform on both ends you can't just do one and not the other yeah i think that that's a good point so we'll wrap that and we'll move on to uh, how Aaron O'Toole is ending his campaign. Big surprise in Ontario. Kind of the way he started by saying, hey, everybody, look, I'm almost as liberal as Justin, just a little bit more to the right. And it's really pissing me off. Yeah. And he, I mean, he's changed his position on another uh on another uh, uh, policy item uh, on Wednesday. I mean, it's now he's now he's saying that we're not going to scrap the liberal carbon tax. I mean, that, that yeah, that happened on Wednesday. Oh, my God. Yeah, he says, oh, no, 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 no! I'm not going to scrap. Like we, 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 we probably won't scrap the liberal carbon tax. Any provinces that want to keep it, they can keep it. We're we're okay with that. Oh, for crying out loud! Yeah, like does this guy even stick to anything? Like, does his word mean anything? Like, I I'm starting to lose my patience. I mean, okay, let me rephrase that. I lost my <laughs> patience with him about two weeks ago. And it's just getting worse. Like, does he not understand that people don't want to vote for Justin, but they are because there's nobody that stands for anything different? See, that's the thing. Like, we we had said this months ago that if you provide a contrast, then people at least have two choices to vote for. Instead, you're saying let's vote for the liberal or let's vote for liberal light or let's vote for extreme liberal with the NDP. I mean, you're not really giving anybody a lot of choice. No. Do you remember what I said um, 
Oh, God. Back at the beginning of the summer, I believe. I, I Oh, man. I would have to go back and listen to all our shows to figure out um, when I said it. But I said, you can't beat the liberals by being a liberal. You did say that. You you have to provide the voters with something different. You don't provide them with the same thing and then say, hey, vote for me because, you know, I'm the same. Nobody's going <laughs> to do that. <laughs> Nobody is going to pick you. And and you're not going to get more votes. I mean, you, the, O'Toole has moved the Conservative Party substantially to the left where now the Conservative Party is definitely left of center. And they are not giving voters a choice. It's just vote for Justin and the Liberals or vote for O'Toole and the Liberals. Yep, because that's, right. that, that's our choice right now. It, it's a little bit less liberal than the Liberals, but not enough to even go... I mean, maybe you won't get any corruption with these liberals, but but who who knows? Who knows? I, I don't know. I mean, I I like to think I know that that the that the conservatives are going to be the liberals without corruption, but but I mean, the voters in Ontario and Quebec and and the Maritimes they're looking at this going, well, there's nothing different for me to vote for. I mean, I might as well stick with the devil I know than the, the go with the devil I don't know because I mean, really, they're not provo- they're not they're not offering anything different. Well, the one thing liberals are offering different is yet another sexual assault scandal. This time, uh, Kevin Vuong, the candidate in Fort York Spadina, which is downtown Toronto, has some sexual assault allegations and this time principal Justin Trudeau immediately kicked him out of the liberal caucus and, so, and said if he does win he will not sit as a liberal well let me see his campaign signs all say liberal his ads all say liberal so he will coast to victory as a liberal and in my humble opinion will just quietly be allowed into caucus after you know a month or two when nobody's looking yeah, but why is he taking such a hard stance on this guy? This guy was found not guilty. Right? But it's all about the show, showmanship. I mean, he actually had a guy in his in his party running that he was standing behind who had more than 30 allegations against him that had not been decided in court yet. This guy... It actually has been decided in court, and he was found not guilty. Yep. Nice double standard, isn't it? And he boots him immediately. I don't don't get it. I I personally don't understand this. Well, because Justin's a hypocrite. That's that's about all we can say. (laughs) Sure enough. So let's move on to, to how Jagmeet Singh is ending the campaign off. Then we'll move into talk with leaders debate and we'll wrap up with our predictions. So uh, just conveniently, actually, uh, an NDP supporter came to our door yesterday, handed my wife one of the NDP pamphlets on the very front of it. Jagmeet Singh fighting for you and nice big letters near the bottom. The only party that's going to tax the ultra rich. So there's a great campaign slogan to run on. 
the ultra rich. Who are the ultra rich, Lewis? I'm curious. Uh, I don't know because I don't think anybody knows. No, I don't, think I, don't think, I don't think even Jagmeet Singh knows, but it's a it's a great little tagline to run on. And of course, Jagmeet Singh uses the word profit like it's a swear word. And when he explains himself and says, oh, we need to get these companies that have profited from the pandemic, I almost could understand the track that he's going down. I don't agree with him, but I can almost say, okay, you know what, if you were to explain it by talking about these companies that make PPE were raking in profits and Amazon was raking in profits, like, well, it's good timing on their part. They happen to be in the right business. So uh, I get that part of it. And I will almost go down the road with him when he says, you know, these are companies that are based elsewhere and don't pay a lot of taxes in Canada. And I said, well, look at the other side. Look at the jobs they create in Canada and the people who work there that pay taxes. So you're kind of getting some of that money already. Oh, yeah. No, this is what this is what Canadians and especially NDP voters don't get is that a company might not pay a lot of tax but they might employ like 20,000 Canadians who do. And if you, if you jack the tax rates on these businesses, they can, they can't hire as many people. They have to, in fact, maybe lay off some of these people so that they can pay these tax bills. Yep. I mean, is it more important? for the business to pay 25% of their of their uh, profits to the government or is it more important that they employ 20,000 Canadians as opposed to say 15,000 Canadians well exactly and they will need to employ a lot more Canadians because and we had posted this on our Canadian Common Sense Facebook page that the NDP platform was costed at <laughs> drum roll please two hundred and fourteen billion dollars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, you could tax every person in this country at a hundred percent of their income. If they make a hundred thousand dollars a year or more, and it won't pay for that. Well, exactly. But uh, hey, if, if if ever there was a campaign promise that had, as they say, a chicken in every pot, here it is. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. That, that's that's insane. I mean, the the thing is, is that. Like and I just and I just said, you know, is it more important for a government or for a business to pay, you know, a bunch of tax, or is it more important that they employ twenty thousand Canadians as opposed to fifteen thousand Canadians? The thing is that many Canadians' answer to that would be, yes, yes, it is more important that they pay the government more tax than hire more people. You know what? You're right, because I don't think people can see the forest for the trees that way. I mean, we've been so conditioned to say rich man bad. And, and these I think that started with Obama to say, you know, the, to pay their fair share. And we've pointed out, even on this show, study after study, 
that shows that the top 1% of, of income earners in Canada or in the States already pay an overwhelming supply of the tax money, way, way, way more than what would be, quote, their share. And in Canada, the bottom 50% of taxpayers pay nothing. Yeah, it's this is this is something that people don't get is like the top 1% of income earners in Canada pay, I believe, pay around 20% of the tax. Top 10% of income earners in Canada pay like 40% of the tax. The top 50% of income earners in the country pay all of the tax. Yep, that's right. So, yeah, it, it's it's a joke. I mean, how much more do you want the people who actually create the jobs to pay? I mean, this is, it, it's, it's ridiculous. I mean, we, I, I own a business. I am not in the top 1%. I not even in the top 10% of income earners. Um, but do you know who is in the top 10% of income earners? High school teachers. Yeah. And members of parliament are actually the one percenters. Yes, they are. And so you have to know that when parliamentary parliamentarians are in the top 1% of income earners or top 2% of income earners, that when they say, let's go after the rich, they're not talking about the top one or the top 2% of income earners. They're only talking about, you know, the top, 0.1% of income earners because if they actually raised taxes on the top 1% of income earners, they would be raising their own taxes and they're not going to do that. Nope, exactly right. So uh, let's move on from that and let's uh, talk about the leaders debate. Now I had uh, sent an email to the De leaders debate commission. Of course I did not hear back from them, but I'm going to email them again because it is time for a new format for the leaders debate. Now, Lewis, you're old enough to remember a day when it was the only the top two contenders or the two front runners for debate that would or for government, sorry, that would be in a, in the main debate, and there would be a sort of a, an undercard, as it were, for other candidates. Like I do remember, I want to say it was the 1993 election, I think it was, where we had Jean Chrétien and. Kim Campbell sparring off in one debate and then Preston Manning actually debated Audrey McLaughlin in a separate debate. And then you don't have five people constantly talking over each other, trying to get attention. You can actually focus on issues and that's what this country needs more than anything. Yep. So I'm going to write to them again and I'm going to propose that we have this sort of idea where the two front runners have a debate and then sort of a secondary debate where you've got other parties who are either represented in the house of commons or at least have a substantial number of candidates where they could have a possibility of forming government. So whether that number is, you know, the 170 plus or 200 plus, and I don't know why the Bloc Québécois is in any kind of national debate whatsoever, but I'm not sure that we would ever win that fight because it's Quebec. Yeah. And I mean, for me, the entire format needs to change. Not just, we only have two people in this debate and we have the other three people in this debate. It, it needs to be like a completely different format, mainly that they need to have 
three separate debates so that they only they don't get just 15 seconds on each topic i mean who how do you explain anything in 15 seconds or 45 seconds or whatever they get i mean who you can't explain anything you can't explain anything in detail you can't explain anything you just go for sound bites and that's it and that's not a debate i want to debate i want to debate where the leaders actually talk about the issues in depth and we need three separate debates just to do that so that you have an, a full hour on foreign policy, a full hour on um, on crime and punishment. You have a full hour on uh, the economy. You have a full hour on, uh, on um, I don't know, internal trade. I mean, we need to have... We need to have three separate two-hour debates where two topics are discussed in each one. Because, I mean, it's... The, the way it works right now is absolute garbage. It makes us look like amateur hour. And if if anybody in the United States watched the debate that we had a couple of weeks ago, they would go... They, they they would be dumbfounded <laughs> and because it was it was amateur hour compared to the debates that the Americans have because they actually have several debates that focus on one or two issues for the entire debate and you actually hear what they have to say because the leaders don't talk over each other they each get their turn and and it's like, that's what we need. We can't have these open debate portions where everybody's talking and the moderator is stopping the person who was answering the question from actually answering the question so that the uh, person standing next to them can can uh, offer a rebuttal, even though they haven't even answered the question yet. So what are they rebutting to? Right. Like it's it, it's just a, a garbage situation and it needs a complete overhaul yep could not agree more and that uh those points actually you just made i think that's something i will make certain i put into my email when i write again probably will still be ignored but i want this conversation to continue because we can't keep having debates that are a flipping gong show like we have now yeah exactly Okay, we've got about five minutes left, so we've got just enough time for our final predictions. Canadians, go to the polls tomorrow. Uh, roughly a million of us have voted in advance polls. There will still be some mail-in ballots, which cannot be counted until tomorrow. I think they have to be received as of tomorrow as well. Well, I guess they better. That's election day. So let's jump right into it. Our last predictions. Uh, I predicted an O'Toole minority. Lewis, you were starting to echo the sentiments I had said at the beginning of the campaign, and that was we might have to get used to Justin Trudeau. Where are you now, my friend? Oh, I'm firmly in the camp of uh, Justin Trudeau uh, winning again. Um, I I don't think that the Conservatives are even going to come close to winning more seats than the Liberals. I think... I think the Liberals are going to end up with probably about ten seats more than the than the Conservatives, and I don't think that the uh, Conservatives have a shot at forming government at all. 
sadly, I'm I'm on that page, and so at, at dissolution, uh, or yeah, dissolution, the Liberals had I think it was 155 seats to the Conservatives 121, and the NDP was right around 23, I think, and the Bloc was somewhere in that same range. They might have even been closer to 30 with the Bloc, if, if I remember. But yeah. this time around, I. Uh, Sorry, Canada. I, I'm back. I'm uh, back where I started. We better get used to Justin Trudeau, but there is a light at the end of that tunnel. Now, I see the Liberals decreasing their seat count, but it's still going to be 135 to 140 seat minority. And the Conservatives will likely be right back in the 120 range where they are now. And the light at the end of the tunnel is neither party will have enough of a plurality where they're going to be able to govern effectively. And Lewis, you had alluded to this earlier in the campaign. Not only will Justin Trudeau's ego be so bruised that he will probably want to take his marbles and go home, but the Liberal Party themselves will get the knives out because, as you had said, they will see him as being unelectable. So I do see Trudeau becoming our next prime minister, but I don't see him staying for long. No, I I think that I, since the Liberals have 155 seats right now, I think they're going to drop to about 100 and uh, about 140 to 145 seats. I think the Conservatives will end up with right around 130 to 135 seats. Um, I think the PPC is going to end up with two seats, and I think the greens are probably going to drop a seat. Um, I don't, I think the NDP is going to probably end up right around where they are right now. I don't see them increasing too much. Uh, maybe a few additional seats, but, but not much. Um, I just, uh, I just, I, and I, and I think that, you know, you're right that I was right. Um, <laughs> I think, I think the, uh, I think Justin Trudeau is going to be removed as party leader, whether he, whether it's his choice or not. I think that he will not be party leader, um, six months from now. Um, he took a gamble, uh, which is something that we said at the beginning before the election even started was that. Parties that that uh, create their own demise or call an election an unforced election usually get punished for it at the polls. I think that he's going to get punished for it at the polls by losing ten or fifteen seats. Um, and uh, and that's going to cost him his job, uh, a job that he doesn't necessarily want anyway. Um, I think that he ultimately he'll end up working at the UN and, um, but I think that, uh, yeah, if he doesn't step down right away, I think the party is going to turn on him. Uh, PDQ. Yeah, I would say that you're right. And I think that the block is going to be a wild card in this election. I think they're going to improve their seed count. I don't think they're going to improve enough where they're going to make a substantial difference in the next government. And I see the lower mainland of BC being a bit more interesting because I think that's actually where conservatives stand to gain a little bit due to the vote splitting we talked about in our last show. But 
Yeah, Canada, you're going to see, I can't say more of the same because I don't think the NDP is going to be strong enough to prop up this next Liberal government. So I think you're going to see absolute chaos in Parliament and we'll be going back to the polls again before the year is done. Before the year is done? Well, I guess, I, I, you know what, I won't be that bold, but we'll be going back to the polls next year for sure. Yeah, well, Justin Trudeau already said we would. Well, I guess he did say 18 months, yeah. So Yeah, 18 months. So that's, you know, the beginning of 2023, I guess. Yeah, that's yeah. true, yeah. So I I agree. I think that I think that we'll be back at the polls before the end of next year. And yeah. uh and I think that Justin Trudeau won't be the leader. And I and I I don't know that O'Toole will even be the leader of the Conservatives. I mean I don't think people are happy about where he's taken the, the, the party. Like I know if I was a party member and I'm not, I wish like if I was a party member, I, I would be, I'd be looking for someone's head on a platter and it would be his because I mean, really at the beginning of this campaign, the election was his to lose and he lost it. Yep. Because I mean, there was, in what the second or third week he was he was up by 10 points in the polls everybody's poll was showing the same thing so it wasn't like an anomaly that one poll was showing he was up by 10 he even manos was showing him up by four or five and it and the other the other two or three major polling companies in the country were showing him up by eight or ten and so, I mean, it was his election to lose, and he did. He managed to lose it by being so wishy-washy on policies that everybody knew they had. These weren't policies that were suddenly brought to light, like some some uh, secret agenda, like they used to accuse the Reform Party of every election. This, right. was, this was policies that were in the policy book that, that the party's been talking about for for like ever i mean it was no secret that the conservatives were going to repeal the gun ban from last year it was no secret everybody knew that that was going to happen everybody knew because how why did everybody know that they were going to do that because the conservatives were saying they were going to do that o'toole said they were going to do that pierre polyev said they were going to do that Michelle Rempel said that they were going to do that. Everybody was saying they were going to repeal it. It was in the policy book. This was not a surprise. But then it was revealed by Justin Trudeau that that was going to happen. And the media asked one question of O'Toole about it. And he changed everything on the spot. And then he did it again with carbon taxes on the spot. Like he, he is responsible for this loss. Yeah. Good point. And uh, I'll actually like your, uh, your, your thinking that there may very well be different leaders at both of the larger parties in, uh, in Canada. But honestly, this looks terrible for the Conservatives. I mean, how many leaders are they going to have before they win an election? Oh, yeah, good point. 
I mean, the only the only shining light that I can see is that Pierre Poiliev decides, you know, enough's enough. I got it. I got to run for this leadership. But he just he, he and his wife just had another baby last week, and and I know that his his reasoning for not running in the in the last uh, leadership race was because he realized that he wouldn't be spending time with his with his newborn kid, and now he's got a second one, and I, and I, and congratulations to him. Um, but our country needs you, man, and. And we need you badly. Yeah, and well, Canada, we'll wrap the show up right with that one. Draft Pierre. All right, and hopefully our election predictions are completely wrong and we actually get a a landslide conservative majority. But I don't see that happening, Canada. So we'll be back midweek with... uh, an election summary for you. And then after that, we'll get back on to our once per week uh, full episodes. So until midweek, it is Tony in Saskatchewan. And Lewis out here in BC. Come on, Canada, prove me wrong. Get out and vote and prove both of us wrong. Good night, Canada. Good night.